Lord, we are gathered before you again because of your mercy that has preserved us in life. We magnify you because of a day like this that speaks of your glory. Heavenly King of glory, grant us grace that you will walk in our hearts this day, even as we meditate on your word. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Praise the Lord. Today we are looking at the humility of Christ. And as we read in the gospel, I'll just read a few verses of that gospel. We begin to key into the Palm Sunday. Matthew chapter 21, and I'll start reading from verse 4. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying Tell ye the daughters of Zion Behold thy king comes to you meek sitting upon an ass and a coat the fall of an ass Hallelujah You know this passage that statement was actually taken from the prophet's Zechariah, Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, a king comes unto you. He is just and having salvation, lowly, riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the fall of an ass. Hallelujah. Zechariah wrote this passage. In 500, between 518 and 520 BC. For five, almost 500 years. More than 500 years because Jesus was going to fulfill this when he was about 30, 31, 32, 33 years. So for more than 500 years, the word seem to have laid dormant. Brethren, the word of God must always be fulfilled. Hallelujah. And so when God speaks a word to you, it will come to pass for 500 years. And for 500 years, there was preparation for what we are celebrating today. Hallelujah. You know, somehow, I don't know whether we understand what the Palm Sunday is all about. For many people, it has become a time to wave the palm front, dressed like a cross. Hallelujah. I'm sure many of us have it today. And somehow, that palm front became idolized. And people started keeping it in their house to chase away witches and wizards. Maybe it's the church that actually encouraged that to be. Because we keep those pamphlets for one year. And during Ash Wednesday we burn it. And then we use it in marking people. But that's good. The mark is a mark of humility. Praise the Lord. 
But there was something very important that happened on Palm Sunday. And that is why it took 500 years to fully bake. Hallelujah. If you read the prophecy of Zechariah, you will see that the king was coming to Jerusalem. But this king that was coming to Jerusalem was said to be just. We know he's just. He was said to be having salvation. We now understand that. But what we could not understand is how a king will come lowly riding upon an ass. Hallelujah. And that is why we are going to meditate on an aspect of the life of Christ today. That aspect of humility. Riding on the ass may seem to be the mark of extreme humility for a king. And I will show you why. Hallelujah. You know, this prophecy came 500 years before Christ. It actually came at a time in history where the Medo-Persian Empire was the world authority. And so, in order for us to understand what the prophecy would be, because it was a cardinal aspect of the work of our salvation, God himself had to instigate the Romans. And the Romans were the fourth empire. After the medo persian Empire came the Greek Empire before the Roman Empire. Of course, they are the last world empire. The empire broke, but it will reconstitute for the end time events to be complete. Now, God had to instigate in the Roman Empire the culture of the triumph. And that culture of the triumph is what Jesus was going to demonstrate on Palm Sunday. If we have time, we will go through that triumph and we will see the similarities and the differences between our Palm Sunday and the Roman triumph. Hallelujah. And so, God instituted the triumph. And the triumph was prevalent at the time that Jesus was on earth. And that is why our brother Paul pictured these events in another light. And let's quickly see what uh, Paul wrote to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Praise the Lord. Who ascended? Jesus. Who took captivity captive? Jesus. Who brought fruits to us? Jesus. Now we're going to look a little bit at the triumph so that we'll be on, begin to understand what St. Paul was speaking about. 
Jesus did his own triumph before the battle started. And that is classic of God. He also did Holy Communion, what we are going to celebrate today, before he died. He lifted the cup and said, this is my blood. He lifted the bread and said, this is my body. Was he dead? He was still alive. But this is classic of God. It is called the God kind of things. God speaks of things that are not as though they were. When God wants to speak about your future, He speaks about your future as though it were already. Hallelujah. That is a God kind of faith. The kind of faith we are supposed to all emulate. When you are sick, you declare to yourself, He is the Lord that He lets me. I am strong. Stop shouting, Chimewum. Hallelujah. The God kind of faith does not say, Chimewum. He looks at the mountain, addresses the mountain, and declares the purpose of God. Praise the Lord. I'll quickly go through some of the relevant things in the Roman triumph that makes us begin to understand both the Palm Sunday and the humility of Jesus. The first thing about the Roman triumph, it is that it's ordered by the Senate of Rome. There's something that looks like it. It is when the professor comes to his inaugural lecture. It is ordered by this vice chancellor. It is ordered by the university senate. Praise the Lord. And so, the, tri- the, the triumph or the triumphant walk of a Roman general is usually ordered by the senate. That of Jesus was ordered by prophecy. Hallelujah. And we have read that prophecy in Zechariah. And you see that it is for a victorious general. And I will ask you, was Jesus victorious? He is as victorious as you will allow him to be in your hearts. Praise the Lord. You can shut him out and he will have no meaning. You can allow him to operate and you will see the power. Of his victory. Praise the Lord. The triumph in Rome. Was made for a general. Who had fought a foreign battle. And at least 5,000 enemy soldiers had been killed. Such a general would have won a significant territory. And made a final end of the battle. Jesus Christ did not just defeat 5,000 people slain. He destroyed the empire of the devil. Hallelujah. He did not just win a territory. He conquered and re-established the authority of God on the planet Earth. It may not seem so to you 
until you enter deep into him. And that is why at the name of Jesus, every knee will do what? It may not seem so today. But you are, if you are in Christ, you are in the citadel of glory. Hallelujah. Jesus has conquered. I mean, when you are in affluence and you are at peace, you may not understand this. But when you begin to face the challenges of life that nobody can help you, you will realize that the only person, the only name under this earth by which men must acknowledge and be saved is the person of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. The difference is between Palm Sunday and the Roman triumph begins in the actual practice. The Romans now practiced it in the human way. But thank God because they did so. Because it brought out the humility of Jesus. The triumph usually started with the general being crowned with a laurel. He was dressed Gorgeously. And he painted his face to show that he was nearly God and he was nearly king. Hallelujah. He rode on a chariot driven by four horses. Jesus rode on an ass. It is important, very important for us to understand this. It is very important for you as a Christian to note this. Hallelujah. The triumph would usually start in the west wing of the river Tiber. There is a sacred spot in the river Tiber. And it ends in the temple of Jupiter. The Palm Sunday started on the Mount of Olive. The Mount of Olive was Christ's retreat ground. It was his place of prayer. And on the Mount of Olive, he was eventually captured because Judas knew that Jesus would always go there to pray. And the Triumphant entry into Jerusalem ended in the temple of God. Hallelujah. So you begin to see the similarities between those two processions. The Roman general would showcase his captives the fruit of the land. The his procession is led first by the Roman Senate, then is followed by unarmed soldiers, then the captives of war. Many of them will be killed later. And the fruit of the land, a picture of the territory that was captured, is drawn by an artist. Then the triumphant general with his family will follow. 
And finally, the king of the land is led because he was going to be killed that day. Praise the Lord. So when St. Paul was saying that he led captivity captive, you can now begin to understand that those little demons that are destroying, that are harassing you, have already been taken captive. Praise the Lord. That is what Palm Sunday is all about. That is what Palm Sunday, the whole story of Palm Sunday, is that Satan and his entourage have been laid captive. God has spoken it. And God will manifest it. The general ends up in the temple of Jupiter and goes to make a sacrifice as an act of humility. But I don't know the kind of humility a man who had gone through that procession will have. Praise the Lord. Jesus entered the temple. He sanctified it. And in the days to come, he was killed for us as a sacrifice. The humility of Jesus was not just riding on that ass. But that is very humbling. It's like take, asking the president of Nigeria to ride on a bicycle. Praise the Lord. I know I've seen presidents who ride on bicycle, but they do so just for exercise. I have never seen a Nigerian president ride on a bicycle. In short, if you tell some of them to ride on a bicycle, the reward you will receive will be a dirty slap. Praise the Lord. But this was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he rode on an ass. But it was not just the symbolic riding of the ass that is true humility. The humility we are speaking about in God's own eyes is different from what men think humility is. We think that humility is a quiet person who always looks sober. Hallelujah. In fact, some people have also coined another word for it. And that is down to earth. But God does not look at the physical. God is not as much interested in the physical. You could see a very boyish person. Flamboyant person. And yet he's very humble. In God's eyes. There was this story a sister once told us. When we were in full gospel. That one day that God told her, you are very proud. Be the proud. She was praying. God said, you are proud. So she told herself, I hope you all understand. Praise the Lord. Is it this way I look defaced? That God is saying you are proud. But when God finished with her, she understood what God was saying. 
Many of us are very proud. But let's see God's kind of humility. Hallelujah. God's kind of humility is both an attitude and an act of voluntary submission. It is both an attitude. That means you have made up your mind that you will submit. And then it is followed up by the act of voluntary submission, not coercion. That is God's kind of humility. And that was what Jesus was demonstrating on Palm Sunday. When God had an encounter with Pharaoh, in Exodus chapter 10, he asked Pharaoh, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? God was not saying, come down from the throne. God was saying, have voluntary submission to my will. Praise the Lord. When he fed the children of Israel in the wilderness, he told them, look, the reason I gave you manna in the wilderness is so that I will humble you. So that you will understand that your physical might and your power, your beauty, your excellence, your degrees, your privileges, it's not what puts food on your table, but me, God. Praise the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar was not executed into madness until he looked at the city of Babylon and said, I did it all. That day, the judgment fell on him. Hallelujah. And to Christians, God says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Voluntary submission. Means acknowledging that God is supreme. And that you are helpless. It is the opposite of what the devil wanted Eve to understand in the Garden of Eden. He says, eat this fruit and you will become like God. Many of us still want to be like God. But God wants us to be dependent on Him. Praise the Lord. Submission and humility go hand in hand. And so Jesus had to submit to every word of the Lord. That is why he rode under us. He wanted the word to be fulfilled. In fact, he told his disciples, My meat is to do the work of him that sent me and to fulfill it. Praise the Lord. Is that your primary desire in life? 
Have you been able to identify the thing that is most important in life? For us, many of us when we were growing up, education was the most important thing. Then came job opportunities. We wanted to work. Then we wanted to build families. And we then wanted to amass all the wealth on earth. You may be at one of these stages in life. What is your primary drive? Because your primary drive will determine your actions. And unfortunately, it will determine your destiny. Brethren, the happiest people are not the wealthiest people. But it's also not good to be poor. Praise the Lord. I am not a preacher of poverty. Because God will give you what you need. Praise the Lord. The most important thing in our life is to learn and to understand the will of God for our own lives and to submit to it. When you do so, you will be walking in triumph. You will be like Jesus on Palm Sunday. But until you identify God's will for your life, you are like one who is wandering in life without aim. And I see a lot of it at the neuropsychiatric hospital. Praise the Lord. Of those who get up and have a stereotype movement to a particular place. And when they finish staying there, they go back to the world. The next time, they go to another particular place. They go back to the world. Hallelujah. That is how some of us are living our lives. And you will be asking yourself, why is this person doing so? And people around you will say, that is how she behaves. In the spirit, many of us have stereotype movements. But when you discover the counsel of God for your life, your movements, as you submit to that counsel, will be directed by the spirit of God. Praise the Lord. Jesus was the true epitome of humility. He was God and knew he was God. At 12 years, he told his parents, the earthly parents, did you not know that I will be in my father's house? The Bible says that they did not understand what he was uh, saying. So Jesus knew who he was. He had no doubt about his personality. And yet the Bible says that even though he knew that he was God, he did not take it anything to be contended with, to begin to rub shoulders with God. But he put aside his glory and put on 
the will of his servants, even unto death. Why did the Bible emphasize even unto death? That emphasis is because his obedience was unto death. Praise the Lord. One of those girls who they released, many of her contemporaries, we hear, refused to convert to Islam. And so they decided not to release her. Praise the Lord. I wonder whether I will have the courage to do what she did. And we should be praying for those ones that are still in captivity. Because they are not Muslims. The church must continue to pray. Hallelujah. Because this Boko Haram thing is far beyond what we think it is. Hallelujah. Now quickly look at some of the rewards of true humility. The first and most important thing you must know when you humble yourself to God is that you put yourself under God's protection. Whenever you are walking in obedience to the will of God for your life, what you have declared is that you have put yourself under God's uh, protection. Praise the Lord. In Numbers chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron rose against Moses, their brother. And I want to tell you that Moses was their younger brother. Hallelujah. Both of them were older than Moses. And what did Moses do? Moses left all the beautiful women in Israel and went and married an Ethiopian girl. So this discrimination did not start uh, today. Praise the Lord. And so Miriam's tongue started working. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest, the most humble of men on earth. That means Moses did not even defend himself. Hallelujah. Do you know what happened next? God appeared. Whenever you walk in submission to God, God will be your defense. Do you want God to come into your situation? Draw him in by ordering your steps in his word. Praise the Lord. The next reward of humility is that the more humble you become, the greater and more powerful you become in the Spirit. In Matthew chapter 18 verse 4, Jesus said, Whosoever shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of God. Why did he use a little child? The reason he used a little child is simple. Children can be naughty, but children are usually submissive. 
John there, he will come. If you tell John the older there, or say, Daddy, don't you know I'm doing something? I will come. Hallelujah. I will come means I will come at my own pleasure. Do you also do so to God? If you want to test yourself, test yourself on the day they say there is an outreach. Praise the Lord. We just finished a weekend neighborhood outreach. And I looked around. And I saw for these three days, the two days they are concluding today, that it was the same persons that were coming. The same group of persons. And I asked myself, where are the rest? A thing that was planned from the beginning of the year. I will ask you to, in this church, are you part of submitting to God in expanding the kingdom of God? Exemplified by outreaches. Do you come for revival meetings when they are scheduled? Are you there on Wednesday when the church comes to pray? If you are not, where are you? We are talking of submission now. The Bible says, the more you submit, the greater you are in the kingdom of God. Do you want to be great? Greatness does not come by sudden flights. It is desired and works towards. Praise the Lord. When you now go to the Psalms, you begin to see many provisions that God has made for the humble. In Psalm 22 verse 26, it says that the meek shall eat and be satisfied. There will be divine provision. In Psalm 25, it says that God would guide the meek. In Psalm 37, he says that the meek will have an abundance of peace. And God himself says that he, the Lord, dwells in the habitation of the humble. True Christian humility can never come to you by your own efforts. As we did that outreach, during the medical outreach, as my custom was, I usually would interview my patients to know whether they are born again. And I found out that everybody is now born again. Hallelujah. And so, I now use, are you born again, as an introductory speech. And the response I will always get is that I am born again. And so when you now declare that you are born again, I want to know what you mean by being born again. Praise the Lord. 
It is in the details that the truth comes out. And so, you may have been in this church and you will answer like those people who have been answering with me. I have been striving to do the will of God. Even heathens do so. Have you been striving to do the will of God? Praise the Lord. God doesn't want you to strive anymore. There is a difference between the old vehicles that didn't have engine-powered steering and modern vehicles that their engines are powered by. Have you seen Austin before? That vehicle they call Austin. The truck. When it turns, eh, the driver sweats. That is what many of us are doing. We are striving to do the will of eh, God. But God wants to power your engine. Power your steering. He stays by your side as you struggle with your New Year, new year resolutions that you break after two weeks. The true humility of Jesus did not come because Jesus strived for it. There was another reason why it came. And that reason, I want us to be partakers of it today. True humility comes only when the Holy Spirit comes in to empower you to do the will of God. Hallelujah. That's why even Jesus had to be filled with the Spirit without measure. Because this human body can never do the will of God. There is no sin that those of you who are seated here now, and including myself, cannot commit. Praise the Lord. There is absolutely no sin. In fact, at a time, when the prophet was speaking about the captivity that will come to Israel, he says, look, even the most tender woman will take her placenta and keep it away from her family and eat it alone. And that a man will slaughter the child and not share it with members of his family and eat it alone. Brethren, if you are subjected to the extreme, you may not survive. Praise the Lord. And so God, knowing what was a man, walked out a pathway for salvation. That is why we say, give your life to Jesus. There is no other reason. When you give your life to Jesus, let me tell you what you are doing. Jesus died for you and shed his blood. And because he died for you and shed his blood, he is demanding that you must die also. Hallelujah. I told one of the people I spoke with, the condition for salvation is that you will die. She said, I am beginning to understand it. And I was happy. Praise the Lord. You too must die. But Christ does not want you to die physical deaths. There is another death he wants you to die. He wants you, because he wants to enter into a blood covenant with you. 
And the Bible says that the life of a person is in the blood. He wants you to keep your physical blood, but give him the life inside that blood. Praise the Lord. And that means you must go to the place of altar and say, God, take my life. In our traditional religion, there is something that Igbo traditional religion does. There are two types of sacrifice. The first animal is killed and the blood is shed on the altar. The second sacrifice is not killed. It is presented to the altar and is set loose to roam the village. Praise the Lord. I don't know whether you saw it in your own village. In my village, there is something called a more. That cow can enter your house. If you ever kill it, you will bury it like a human being. Even Christians have to chase it away so that it will not destroy things in their home. Praise the Lord. Every more is a living sacrifice. That is what God wants you to become. A living sacrifice. Blessed at the altar. And once you kill a few more, the idol to which it belongs is going to fight you. According to them. Praise the Lord. Even though I know some Christians who killed the thing and slaughtered it during the war, ate good meat. Hallelujah. But I don't know whether the idol followed them up thereafter. Some people say that he follows them. What am I saying? When you come to the altar of Jesus and say, I give you my life, you don't die. But he sends you out as a living sacrifice. Then and only then can you walk in triumph. Then and only then does Palm Sunday become a significant act? Let us pray. Look at your life. Who runs it? Look at today. Do you want to enter into the mystery and the power of the divine covenants? If your heart tells you that you must take that step, that you must give yourself to enter into that covenant, begin to talk to him. That is the act of true humility. The humble and voluntary submission to the will of God. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to be yours. I sacrifice my day, myself today. I desire to be a living sacrifice. When you make this decision, your life begins in Christ. Your work begins in Christ. Your hope begins in Christ. I want to be a living sacrifice. This day, I lay myself on the altar. The Bible says that when you make this step, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and mark you out with a seal. 
the promised Holy Spirit. I want to walk with Jesus as a living sacrifice the rest of my days. If you are making this decision, raise your hand. I'm going to pray a prayer for you. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to walk with God as a living sacrifice the rest of my days. Just stand up. We're going to pray together. Because the Bible says that when two of us shall agree concerning a thing on earth, it will be done for us by our Father in heaven. A living sacrifice that walks into the mystery of the covenant of God. Eternal Father, look upon your children with grace and mercy. Accept their offering today. The offering of their lives at your altar. Take away heavenly king. Their names from the book of death. And write their names in the book of life. Mark them. And seal them with the promised Holy Spirit. From today, strengthen them in the inner man. By the power of your Spirit, that Christ may dwell in their hearts continually. Show them forth, O Lord, to the world as new and living creation. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray.